He's big and strong, he's sad and mad, and a little bit funny. You are listening to the Crash Program. This is Disinfomaniacs, episode 11 the vice chair of Maine's Moms for Liberty chapter, allegedly groomed with drugs and violence, the underage teenager he impregnated episode. Just from the title, you can tell this needs a content warning. This show could be unpleasant for sensitive people, so listener beware. Also, if you'd like to support our journalism that goes places others won't, visit patreon.com backslash crashberry for the details. Now, on with the show. Disinfomaniacs is a podcast about the liars, the grifters, and the fascist charlatans intent on destroying democracy. We will be reporting on how their propaganda trickles down to negatively impact local communities. We are here to expose, debunk, and pre-bunk the Disinfomaniacs. Crash Barry here, along with historian Andy O'Brien. Hi there. So, this is the second time we're recording the start of this episode. Our first attempt of this episode today had a lot more journalism and reporting and and commentary before we got to the heart of the story, which are allegations against a candidate for uh, school board in RSU 14, which is the towns of Wyndham and Raymond. And then when we got to the end of the recording of the entire episode, uh, after listening to this like devastatingly sad story of life in Maine uh, that you're about to hear, Andy suggested that we eliminate all the reporting about Moms for Liberty and Parents' Rights Maine uh, the groups that we talked about, uh, so you can look them up, Moms for Liberty, Parents' Rights, Maine, because it distracts from the heartbreak of the story. So, Andy, if you would just briefly give an overview of this candidate and race in RSU 14. There are four people running for two open school board seats in Wyndham, uh, incumbent Marjorie Gavani and challengers Joseph Kellner, Don Miller, and Justin Wynott. Uh, Justin Wynott is a co-director of the conservative group Parents' Rights Maine and vice chair of Moms for Liberty, uh, which are focused on privatizing public schools and eliminating books and teaching material from schools that discuss race and LGBTQ themes. They seek to uh, stigmatize transgender students in particular uh, and accuse educators of being child groomers for affirming the gender identity of students. Uh, the race is nonpartisan, uh, but Justin Wynott and Don Miller are being supported by local Republican state rep Barbara Bagshaw of Wyndham and the Wyndham Town Republican Committee. Well, if you listen to Transpanic in Maine parts one, two, and three, you'll hear all about these groups in great detail. So now we'll just rejoin the episode as close as we can to the start of the interview. Today we're going to hear this heartbreaking tale from a woman. She's a real mother. She's not a Moms for Liberty faux mother. And this woman, we're going to call her Faith, she alleges that her daughter, Amanda, was groomed by Why Not back in the early 2000s 
starting when her daughter was 14 years old and why not was either 19 or 20 years old, uh, depending on what month the relationship actually started. We're talking about something that happened 20 years ago here. And before we get into the actual allegations about this abuse, um, why not publicly responded to the allegations during a school board meeting this week? Uh, he got up during public commentary and said, hey, well, we're going to play you that tape. You're going to hear all these allegations, and then we're going to hear his response to the allegations. Also, we're going to be putting in some of, more of his audio from his earlier appearances this year at the school board in Wyndham, just for context. I, I want to talk numbers just for a second here, because Faith... Uh, who went public in October on a Wyndham community Facebook page. We're, we're talking about why not's treatment of her daughter back in the day. And she made all these allegations and many people in Wyndham supported her because she's n well known in the community. This woman has been there for a long time. Her family's been there for a long time as has why not's. So many people supported her and expressed sympathy for her and her daughter, obviously, and the entire family. Some of Why Not's supporters uh, would come forward and say, oh, you know, there's no proof. He was never arrested for any of this. This is all fake allegations. Well, they're right. There was no arrest. Okay, and we're going to discuss that later on. But one thing we do have is numbers, meaning the birth dates of everybody involved. And I'm not going to give out those birth dates because that's nobody's business. But uh, I got the birth dates, and thanks to what we call a conception calculator and a how old am I on a certain day calculator? These two online calculators I found. I was able to type in all the digits for everybody involved. And I figured out that when Amanda was 15 years old, when her and Why Not's baby was conceived. Okay. And because that date falls in Why Not's birthday month, he was either 20 or 21 at the time of conception. And the baby was born when Amanda was 16 and Why Not was 21 almost 22. Is that clear? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, essentially he was seeing her, uh, and, and having relations with her when she was a minor, uh, when she was at least 15, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe before that. Oh, before that, we're going to talk about that. Maine's consent age is 16. Okay. So that means if she got pregnant when she was 15 and he was 20 or 21, that means, you know, the law was violated, but yeah. I mean, this is even worse. A couple of years prior, when Amanda was 14, she told her mom that she was having sex with Why Not. And that was despite Amanda's mother, her father, her grandparents, and aunt all telling Why Not to stay away from her. But the mom did what she thought was the right thing to do because even though she said he's not allowed in the house, she's a single mom working two jobs and she'd come home and he'd be there. So the mom brought Amanda to the doctors and got her birth control pills when she was 14. Obviously, these are real facts here, yeah. right? I mean, this is like the mom remembers bringing the girl to the doctors. Okay, and, and we haven't even mentioned the alleged heroin yet. Yeah. So this brings us to Amanda's current tragic situation. Today, she is a 35-year-old homeless heroin addict. She lives on the streets of Portland. And she supports her habit with sex work and petty theft. And Amanda's situation obviously is like extremely, extremely bleak. And I would, I hate to say this, but pretty much hopeless. A couple of nights ago, I had an hour and a half long conversation with Amanda's mother. And I heard all sorts of, you know, horrible and sordid details. And initially I was tempted just to play the entire interview today, right? Just to show how Maine's 
opioid epidemic destroys and damages the lives of family and friends. I mean, not even talking about the addict, just everybody around the addict. It's, it's really bleak. We're not going to run that whole tape. I just want to focus on her allegations specifically about why not and his impact on her daughter. And as you're going to hear, these are some pretty damning allegations. And like I said earlier, he responded to these allegations during the public comment period, which is very bizarre. At a school board meeting, you get up and deny things said about you online. One more thing, just a word about grooming. As we pointed out during the Transpanic Main series, these chads love to call educators groomers. It's like their standard accusation these days. It's just constant groomer, groomer. Here's why not back in April of this year, addressing the school board that he wants to serve on. I'm Justin Wynott, a lifelong resident of Wyndham. Are you deliberately grooming children? Are you targeting autistic children? Now, he says autistic because they, they think that uh, they're grooming autistic children to be trans. Okay, whatever. This is, again, very sad. It's a content warning. If you're, if you're already depressed, probably time to turn this off. Okay? I don't want to scare you away, but this is not good stuff. And here's Faith, and she's telling us about when Why Not and her daughter started hanging out, and Why Not was either 19 or 20 at the time. My oldest daughter went to high school with him and introduced him to my daughter, Amanda. Amanda was 14 at the time, and he just, I believe he just fell head over heels for her. She was a child. At the time, I... <laughs> had made it very clear to him that he wasn't welcome in my home. He was an adult and she was too young and he had no respect for me right from the get-go, none, zero. And that put us right off on a bad foot. Some time went by and it became very difficult to have him not around. You know, I would ground Amanda and tell her, you know, you can't go, she'd sneak out. And I was a, very much a parent in denial about my child being involved with heroin. I had found out that my stepdaughter, my older daughter, was, was using heroin and Justin was using heroin and that Amanda um, was using heroin. And it was more than devastating and a really hard pill to swallow that, 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 you know, my first instinct is not my child, not my child. She goes to a private Christian academy. She's a good girl. Um, she's a straight A student or she's involved in sports and extracurricular activities and um, not my child, not my, not my girl. But I was wrong. I was really wrong. And when I started seeing the signs and symptoms of the drug abuse and, you know, really started to confront it, that's when things got really bad. They would come in and they would steal anything of value in my home while I was at work. I was a single mom trying to raise my family right. I was working two jobs and I would come home and Justin would be in my house. He wasn't even allowed to be at my house, let alone in my house. He would be harassing my younger son, who is three years younger than Amanda. He would be hanging out with Amanda. I would find 
needles in her room. I had sent my daughter to rehabs. And I guess that was when things really started coming out. You know, she'd be clean for a little while and stuck in a rehab and talking about in in group therapies um, how Justin put a needle in her arm and she said, I always want to feel this way. And he said, if you stay with me, you will. I'll make sure you can. Just find this heart-wrenching. Anybody find this heart-wrenching. Huh. But as a parent, I'm just like, you know, you want to protect your your kid and 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 you can't. It's well, we're gonna hear all about that. Here's why not again, this time uh from springtime. Are you going to start cutting off children's breasts and penises during study hall? Are you going to rent out the science lab for a gender clinic? Okay, we could call this episode Trans Panic Part 4, actually, if you think about it. All right, now we're going to go back to Amanda's story told by her mother. Amanda, um, at one point, was almost ready to press charges against Justin on one occasion um, that he... (laughs) This one's hard for me um, because I was so angry at Amanda for not pressing charges I pleaded with her pleaded and she I'll tell you the story um Amanda came home to me and she couldn't barely sit she was beaten pretty good she's pretty bruised up and what what the hell happened and she hid in her room for two days finally I was like what what happened and she just bawled and told me Justin taped me up, duct taped her up, put her in the trunk of his car, drove to his camp in Lincoln, where he assaulted her as punishment for non-compliance. I was floored. Just that was that's my child. How dare you? I wanted to kill him. I wanted to kill that man for what he did and i was powerless that was at the point that i went to get protection orders and denied i just couldn't believe it was denied okay i don't think we need to provide any commentary here other than saying the the ages and dates match up uh what the mother provided and and you can hear it in her voice though that this is real to me it sounds very very real i went to the courthouse Cumberland County Courthouse to get a protection order against Justin so that I could protect my daughter. I didn't see a judge. I waited out in this hallway with all the windows are um, that you go up and and need whatever, whatever. And they said, wait here, we'll talk to a judge. I filled out the paperwork and it came out and they denied me a protection order for my child. denied in the state of Maine I was floored she was 15 at that time floored I felt so um unprotected by by anyone I felt so vulnerable and I felt like I wasn't able to protect my children um as a single mom it's a horrible horrible feeling I had difficult times days of going to work and wondering what I was going to come home to. 
Um, I was afraid she would overdose. Um, Amanda today, today I have custody of um, Amanda's other two daughters because Amanda for years um, has tried to get clean and failed so many times. She has been a homeless woman in the streets of Portland for many, many years. Um, she walks with a um, very distinct hobble. She's extremely disabled mentally and physically. She's had um, more than half of her life being addicted to heroin. And uh, her body is really taking the toll of it. She um, has uh, a disease where her bones are dying and she has no femur <laughs> in one leg. Um, and she walks with a hobble with no femur. Um, and half her hip is gone on, on the right side. It's sad. I drive through Portland for appointments or whatever reason and there's you know it's hard to see my daughter out there sleeping on a sidewalk or hobbling across to sleep uh, a street um but there she is that's my proof that's what's there the proof is i have custody of my granddaughters justin has a daughter with my daughter Justin's daughter was 16 when she had her, 16? 17. 17 when she had her first child and Justin kicked her out of the house because she did not fit the mold of what you know he was trying to portray with his wife and their child. Yeah, I just want to remind the listener that why not likes to portray himself like as a good conservative, God-fearing Christian man. But according to Faith, as we're about to hear, he was pro-choice, allegedly, at least when it came to getting his underage girlfriend pregnant. My daughter uh, came to me and uh, in tears at 15 years old and said, Mom, I need you to tell me what to do. I'm pregnant. And at 15, we're sitting on the end of my bed and I'm in tears. And I said to her, Amanda, I can't tell, I did tell you what to do. I told you to stay away from Justin. And I told you if you were having sex, you needed to protect yourself. And you didn't. I said, so this is not a place where I tell you what to do. You have to figure out what you have to do here. And, you know, I mean, I can't, even though she's 15, going on 16, close to 16 at the time, I that that was how I responded to that. And um, Justin came to me and told me I had to make her have an abortion and that she was going that the baby was going to be ruined. And I said, Justin, I can't make her have an abortion. So then Justin's mother, the revered retired kindergarten school teacher mm -hmm. in Wyndham, said to me, directly to me, you have to make Amanda have an abortion. You have to. This is not a choice. That baby was and I said to her, I cannot make her have an abortion, nor would I, nor would I make 
my daughter have an abortion? Her response to that was, well, I don't even know if that's my grandchild. And my response to her was, I'm pretty sure it's mine. So butt out. I mean, again, these are allegations, but the details are very, very, very vivid. And uh, it just, it's all stomach turning. Here's why not, uh, again, addressing the school board. Are you going to start pimping out students from the guidance office? Here's Faith. Kind of make sure she's alive. Um, yeah, I, I haven't heard from her in months, if to, if to be honest. Yeah. Um, she, she, um, this is really hard. <laughs> um, I love my daughter, but my daughter has not been my daughter in a very long time. Mm -hmm. There's this um, woman that lives in my daughter's body who oh, is a heroin addict and um, she can't help herself anymore. She is, she has been in and out of the hospital in the last two years, septic and barely made it, barely alive. She's had to have, like I said, her femur removed. And sometimes she'll go to the hospital because she knows she's like dying. And, um, or one time she was walking down the sidewalk and her leg just broke. Her leg broke was there. and the hospital is sending her back out on the street because she's a drug addict. She's just drug seeking. No, take an x-ray. She has a broken leg. That's her life out on the street. Um, she has come home to me um, with dreads in her hair. I had to shave her head off because she hides in the bushes um, and covered up in blankets and um, so that men don't know she's a girl that's another thing <laughs> talk about rape justin prostituted amanda for drugs too there were times that he said we're going to the super eight hotel to get some drugs off these guys from massachusetts and uh he would go in and with amanda and um there'd be like three guys in the room and um, they'd make the deal and Justin would say, wait here, I'll be right back and take off. She was the payment. Um, tried to take her to the hospital for that one because her vaginal area was so ripped up. After that, um, she refused to go to the hospital that time because she knew again that they would say press charges and she would refuse. She knew that this, this deal. She, this, she was becoming a pro at this point. Okay, we heard another voice in there. Uh, that's one of Amanda's other daughters, one of two that Faith has taken and, and raised because Amanda can't. So that teenager's presence, and I would say her input during my conversation with Faith, just furthered my belief in the, the validity of allegations not that it matters that what well, i think they're valid or not but the, uh, another person was there and amanda had told her daughter about some of the horrifying stories from her time with why not and more so someone corroborated that but again these are just allegations all right one more time here is why not uh addressing the school board back in april 
with communist, socialist, and Marxist bad actors trying to destroy our families and our community. I implore everyone in this district, before it is too late, pull your children from RSU 14. I was, I was floored. I was floored at some of the realizations when Amanda would be clean and sober for episodes of the things that would happen, um, that, that she would tell me had happened, or I would get her home and she'd be, she'd be beaten up. She would be raped. She would be, uh, covered in road rash. She, there, it, this kept happening over and over. It's time to go to the hospital. There were a couple occasions I took her to the hospital. And well, quite frankly, when you're a child who's being beaten and assaulted by an adult man, let alone a child, even, even a grown woman, if you're assaulted, it's very, very difficult to get that person to press charges against their assailant. Um, Amanda for years blamed herself because she was high or she needed drugs or she pushed his buttons wrong and she deserved it. And I could not convince my daughter that this, no, he needs to go to jail. My daughter feared her life from Justin. I was afraid of Justin. I used to stay up late after my children went to bed and I would check the windows the locks on the windows and the doors every night three four times a night making sure my home was safe it was a very difficult way to live um, with your children and feel like you're being watched it was it was very scary times and i'll have to say you know bringing this all up again seeing justin's signs out on the sides of the road i've just my heart is just sick <laughs> over it I have six grandchildren in the RSU 14 uh, school district. Um, some of them are in Raymond and some of them are in Wyndham. And the idea that he would be on the school board, knowing what I know, is devastating. Um, that How did this person get to be this far and actually run for this office? blows my mind now we're going to listen to the response video that was posted the day after the school board meeting and this is justin why not uh, addressing the school board justin why not from Lyndon. there been there is an individual um my grown daughter's maternal grandmother that recently made deflammatory accusations about me on social media that are false some others, including elected officials, chose to fuel the fabricated narrative based on sensationalized hearsay about me from a stranger online without any evidence or outreach to me. Without regard to who might be heard, all to win an election. These fabrications are consistent with an ongoing pattern of abuse, neglect, and utter disregard of my now grown daughter's well-being that was exhibited by my daughter's maternal family since her infancy and which led to my gaining sole custody. I'm running for school board because I'm seeing a profound influx of harmful laws and policies being imposed on students from the MDOE. As a district, we must do everything we can to empower, guide, and direct these students 
who are underdeveloped, who do not have fully formed frontal lobes, in a way that will ensure a proper education and allow them to develop effective critical thinking skills. As we look around our, our communities, we see an ever-growing population of addicts, homelessness, and severe deterioration of mental health. This crisis is being created in part by a failure in kids' public education. An increasing number of main schools are now employing therapists, social workers, and doctors who provide counseling and medical and even prescription intervention without parental knowledge or consent. These treatments and medications can have dangerous side effects and life-altering irreversible consequences. While these laws and policies come from the state, our school board can determine how they are handled in our district and the transparency with parents must stay 100% according to the 14th Amendment. Thank you. Okay, I'm really not going to comment on that. Uh, Andy, if you have any thoughts after listening to that tape of his uh, rebuttal, other than it does open up, uh, it makes it a legitimate news story now when a candidate goes to a school board meeting to refute allegations like that. I don't have anything else to add except to say that all of this is political for him. He turns it all uh, into this um, plot that people are trying to defeat him for political reasons. And I just heard the voice of a woman who is extremely pained and has been through a lot, not to mention her daughter. And he disparages Amanda's family, especially Faith. Um, so I just want to play one last tape from Faith here. And Amanda went back out. She went back out to use. And I know Justin was using at the time. And she disappeared for, I don't know, days. It was days. And... I had, I was working two jobs, trying to raise children and own my own home. Um, and I had called Justin's mother and asked for help. I said, you know, I could use a little help with she, you know, she's a baby at this point. And um, I just, I need some help. I can't do all of this by myself. And she said, yep, yeah, okay, I will. And the next day or the day after she showed up with justin in a court order and took all of Briggs's things out of my home and took her arms crying screaming crying i was crying it was horrible it was a it was a nightmare um you know i put that child to bed every night i rocked her to sleep she had her own room at my home so court happened and Amanda still being under 18 and Justin's lawyer took her into a room without me. Um, and they came up with an arrangement for um, Amanda's visitation and I was pissed. I was pissed. I felt like they took advantage of her again as a child. Okay. Well, I guess that's that, Andy. I mean, the election's on Tuesday and we'll see what the people of rsu 14 have to say about this guy running but it's it's freaking crazy yeah uh you know we talk a lot about the people who are unhoused in portland as if it's a big nuisance for everybody 
And so much reporting is always about um, how these people won't leave or they're causing quality of life issues for businesses and people who live around there. And we seldom get a look at who these people are and the kind of trauma that got them there and why they seek uh, drugs to numb the pain that's inside them. Um, there are many facets to the story, and that's one of them. Uh, the other one is, I think, that there needs to be more investigation on this uh, to, to, to learn what happened. Um, because uh, all this is true, it's extremely disturbing and just horrific. Yeah, I mean, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there'll never be an investigation of this. Yeah. It's like I've reported on with devils and dirtbags. So there's so many criminals out there that have committed crimes against children that just will never be prosecuted. And I I want to say that I think it's um, amazing that Faith would take this chance to speak out because this this makes her very uncomfortable yeah. to talk about this. It's to, the fact that she's revealing these family secrets that haunt her and her family to to alert the community of this guy I, it feels heroic yeah yeah no nobody wants to talk about this kind of thing um, and uh, i'm glad she's speaking out and i hope people listen it's it's just like how many of these stories are out there for christ's sake that never get investigated because everybody's chasing fucking phantoms For today, let go of anger. For today, let go of worry. Do your work honestly. Be kind to all.